0: Welcome to episode 78. This is Paula Jenkins, the host of Jumpstart Your Joy. This week, as part of Courage Month, I'm so excited to welcome Deirdre Fenton of Little Red Promotions. We talk about her work with anti-human trafficking, which also introduced her to social media marketing. And eventually, she launched her own business, helping others with social media. We talk about changing careers entrepreneurship, and why it takes courage to market yourself. Plus, Deirdre is lighthearted and a total joy to be around, and I'm ecstatic that she is joining me this week. Before we get to the interview, I want to wish you a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for listening. I am so excited that this last week the show was once again in the top 200 for personal journals. If you heard me last week, I said that my goal for the next year is to have the show in that top 200 spot across all 52 weeks for the next year. And so I'm excited to chalk one up again in that column. I also publish show notes for each episode and... And those include links to the guest website, additional references, and some of my thoughts about the topics that we discuss. You can find these notes for this episode over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com episode 78. If you're curious about starting your own podcast, I would love to have you come over and join me for my free podcasting fundamentals course, which will give you a great idea of the basics that you might need to know about starting your own show. We'll also get you on the very special VIP list and you'll be the first to know for when I open up my class, which is jumpstart your podcast. And that'll be sometime mid 2017. It's so much fun. It'll be about eight weeks long and you can go from idea to actually starting your show. We've had many shows launch. Some of, some of them are midlife, Midlife, free her spirit, mother's quest, doing it on the side. And The Mindful Retirement, <laughs> big shout out to all those ladies, along with The Egg Whisperer Show, which is about to go live by Amy Avazade. So if you want to start your own show, it's a great way to do it. And you can find the link of the Podcasting Fundamentals class over on my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. This week's show is an interesting angle on courage, and after looking back at it, it's really chock full of so many ways that you can be courageous, and how Deirdre has been courageous during her life. I'm deeply moved by the fact that Deirdre was involved with anti-human trafficking, and she shares about what all of us can do to help stop that, even in our own communities. Deirdre later changed careers from a nonprofit role to going into marketing, And then she started her own business. And I've found that it takes a lot of courage to go into business for yourself. The thing that strikes me the most though is the courage that it takes to market yourself. I've done marketing myself, marketing and advertising for some very big companies over the last 18 years. And I've got to admit, I really, I mean, I kind of love doing a big branding campaign. And by that, I mean those ads that you will see where they create an image around a specific brand, usually warm and friendly and aspirational. And what they're selling is not the thing that they actually sell, but they're introducing you to feeling good about their brand Coca-Cola does a lot of this kind of advertising as the Chevy and Visa, and so you get that aspirational feeling and a good feeling about the brand, but they're not actually telling about you about the thing that they sell. Doing that, though, for a brand is so much different than doing that for yourself, and the thing that shook me to my core (laughs) was trying to market myself when I started my own business because it's vulnerable, it's intimidating, and it can be totally paralyzing to try and talk about yourself and create a brand around yourself. I could say all sorts of awesome things about companies, but trying to distill a message and, pr- and promote what it is that I offer, that takes courage. So if you're like me, and I'm sure you feel the same about marketing yourself in any way, uh, and that could even go for, you know, getting ready to go out for a job interview. I think there's, a you know, marketing throughout, even if you're not an entrepreneur per se. But if you feel the same, uh, I think you're really going to love this interview with Deirdre Fenton.
1: Welcome
2: to the show. Today, I am so excited to have Deirdre Fenton on Little Red Promotions. Thank you for joining and welcome.
1: Of course, I'm very happy to be on.
2: Would you like to tell us about what your earliest sparks of joy are?
1: What lit you up as a little kid? Reading. I loved to read. Absolutely loved it. It was probably my favorite thing. And I loved to play dress up. Like, I I think it all incorporated into it. When I was a little kid, the biggest joy I got was coming up with the storyline for the game of house we were going to play with the neighborhood kids and reading a really good book. I used to read, I probably would finish a book in two days when I was a little kid. And that was my favorite thing when I was little.
2: (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah, I remember that, the excitement of, like, ripping through a book, like,
1: you know, and just, like, not being able to put it down. Yes, and I think it just it really opened my eyes to all of the different lives and adventures and things you could do when you grew up. So it made me really excited to grow up.
2: Mm. I love that because I think Mm -hmm. I don't know is that part of like I don't know such an excitement and a joy of looking to the future and what's possible. Yeah, it's funny because like Myers Briggs, I'm totally not a P, I'm a J, but I love playing (sighs) in that like little area of possibility. And would you like to tell us? About who you are now and what you do at Little Red Promotions.
1: Sure. So now, a married lady living in Colorado after living kind of actually all over the place. And then I finally settled here. I started Little Red Promotions about three years ago, I think, if my math is right, that blows my mind. And Little Red Promotions is a social media marketing company. And I work with established small businesses, helping them deepen their online presence, and optimize their engagement. So if you're a small business that's been around for a few years and you're finally in a place where you want to hire an expert or get certain things off your plate because you really need to focus on your role as boss, I'm the person for you. I create strategy, customize content. I do the community management. I work with you to make sure everything that's online represents you and is uh, working towards your goals as a business owner. And I offer social media trainings for small business owners. So for people who are really just starting out and aren't in that place yet where they're ready to hire somebody, but they know they need to be strategic and they need to look professional online, I offer one-on-one, one-hour customized social media training.
2: That is so awesome. Because I know, I mean, I'm kind of in that space right now where it's like, I know I could do more, but how right. would I spend my own day to like fit all that Right. In? So right. Um. What originally drew you to social media consulting in this kind of role?
1: So this kind of all happened by happenstance, but it actually ended up, it's, a perfect fit for me, but one I, I never saw coming. So I was always an actor. I lived in New York City for ten years. So that love of stories kind of led to my love of acting. I knew how to promote. That was way before social media, which makes me feel old to say that. But you know, I, I got into the the hustle of promotion, how to promote, how to network, the importance of your brand, of your headshots, of all those things. And then through kind of a I don't even know how to summarize it, through some very interesting turn of events in my life, I ended up falling into the world of anti-human trafficking. So I was an advocate within that. That was really before people were aware of it in the United States. And the organizations that I was working with were using social media to raise awareness, to raise funds, all that type of stuff. So I started taking that piece on of doing a lot of the social media posts, a lot of the outreach on social media, a lot of campaigns on social media. And that's how I learned. That's how I figured out I was good at it. You know, it really kind of incorporated that storytelling piece. It was something I was very passionate about. And then I ended up moving out to Colorado with my husband from Oklahoma, where I had been working at nonprofit, uh, the PR marketing person. Got a part-time job here doing social media. Um, really, really learned my stuff there. The agency was great. Obviously, they train you. So I kind of Understood the strategy behind the knack I had for being good at writing stuff and connecting with people online, and there was a lot of different things that happened. I really loved it, but I wanted to grow more with it. I started to get clients on the side that were my own personal clients, and I decided to start Little Red Promotions. So that's how I ended up in social media marketing, which I love because I work with such a wide variety of clients. From any, I've worked with the National Park Service. I work with, you know, six-figure business coaches, and then I work with dog walkers in San Francisco. So I get to be really creative in how I spend my days and how I tell the story and be social for these different kinds of companies.
2: I love that. And there's Oh, wow. I love the whole, everything <laughs> about all this, just because there's so much <laughs> to, like, unpack and, like, really dig into. I mean, like, I love the part, one of the things that I love, and we have a mutual friend and
0: Mm -hmm. Acquaintance mentor
2: in Michelle Ward, but like I totally see that thing of like where you followed your heart to really want Mm -hmm. to get involved with the human trafficking, Mm -hmm. anti human trafficking piece, that that opened up so many doors. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Just by being present and like following your heart there, it sounds like that was a game changer in and of itself.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's a really good way to, to summarize that. I completely agree.
2: Let's go back to that a little bit, just because I feel like that's sure. such a, wow, what a beautiful thing to be involved in. What can, mm. I don't know, is there a takeaway that people, that you have for people around what they yes. can do or get involved with? Like, I would love to highlight that because it seems like such... Yeah. Ugh,
1: yeah, definitely. So the one thing I will say, there is positivity in the sense that since I started in the anti-human trafficking movement over seven years ago, and that was really when people... Knew it happened, but they thought it was overseas. They it just seemed it was like there was not really a connection to it, a personal connection. There's a lot of awareness that's happened in the last seven years that the United States of America is actually the biggest consumer of trafficked people because we're one of the wealthiest. And it's not just foreigners being brought into our country to be trafficked; it's domestic, what we call domestics. So Americans, high risk, what we call like high risk or throwaway youth, which tends to be kids who are in their foster care system, it's not necessarily like the movie taken, that totally exists. But a lot of it, when trafficking means that somebody through force, fraud or coercion is made to do something they don't want to do. So a lot of the trafficking that can happen within your own community can be a very vulnerable youth. Like I talked about homeless youth, kids who are in a foster care system, kids who come from broken homes, that's they are in a they're just in a vulnerable situation where there's not as much oversight, so it's very easy for somebody to come in like an older male or a boyfriend or whatever, and through blackmail, like we said, force, threat, right, or coercion, have them end up doing things that they don't want to do. It can also just happen to somebody who's in a wonderful family who goes to church every Sunday. You know, there was a story where a girl went on a date with a high school senior. She was a freshman. Her parents said, no, he date raped her. He videotaped it. He said his blackmail to pimp her out around town. So those are horrible stories, but I share those because that people think it's this kind of global espionage. And it absolutely is, but there's things that happen in your own small town. So the best way to be aware of it and to do something about it is a couple of different things. One, find out what your local organizations are who work with survivors of sexual assault, homeless or foster care kids, mentor a foster care kid. You know, if you're in a situation where you're a teacher or a nurse or a youth pastor, get on the website. It's called Polaris. Um, They're the leading anti-human trafficking organization here in the United States. They have a great bunch of resources, A, for things that are local organizations, like I said, that you should donate to, but also really provide the signs so that you can start to keep... If you just see questionable behavior, or if you see a marked change in somebody, or you meet somebody who you think is in an exploitive situation, how to go about dealing with that, who to report it to, the stuff to be looking out for. Another way to support it is to make sure that you get involved in legislation. And when stuff comes up that is advocating for resources for survivors of sexual assault, you know, money, like any of those people that I just talked about, homeless or foster care that you, there's, you know, laws that come up. The Human Trafficking Prevention Act, which is an act that provides federal money to help survivors of human trafficking, because there's typically it's not just a sexual assault piece. There's counseling that's needed. There can be other addictions that are involved. Be a rape advocate for women who have survived sexual assault. Make sure you say hi to a kid who looks like they're in need. There's a lot of simple, simple things that you can do, just being tuned in and educated on the signs to those things, like I said, of making sure you're voting for this legislation, make sure you're financially contributing to organizations that help people in that situation.
2: Yes. Mm, yes. It strikes me too that a previous guest, Allison Arngrim was, I believe she's still the president of protect.org. So there's another right. one and and I'll link up to that as well. She played Nellie Olson on Little House in the Prairie. So oh,
1: wow, <laughs> it's beautiful. so cool.
2: Yeah. She's a little firecracker still. And had survived abuse from her brother, so within the family. Mm. So not necessarily trafficking, but that there's that kind of crossover. Still, of right. like, exactly. What can you do to help someone who is being taken advantage of against right. the will? So, right. yeah. Exactly. Thank you for sharing those. And I'll link up to Polaris That's in the show notes. Right. Yeah. Well. So, yeah. So following your heart and then moving into Little Red Promotions, I don't know, how would you encourage people who maybe want to make that leap. They see like they've followed their heart and it's gotten them to wherever they are right now, but they know there's mm-hmm. something more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you say about that kind of magical space as well? Also sometimes difficult space. Like
1: yeah. <laughs> you're like, I know I yeah, want to do something else. I don't, yeah, want to but I don't know how to get company. there. Yeah. Right. I think, I mean, there's, there's, there's a couple of different pieces. There's the, obviously there's still logic. even if it's a magical moment of, a leap of faith, you still have to have certain things lined up so that you don't fall on your face. So Mm. I would say if you're somebody who's in a full-time job, or you're just in a situation where you're like, I desperately want to be working for myself, or I really want to be following my heart. There's a couple of different things. I mean, Michelle Ward, which is how Paula and I know each other is also her website. When I grow up, I think it's coach.com or it might be when I grow up.com. Sorry, Michelle. Yeah. When, when I grow up, she has a yeah. <laughs> Okay. She has um she has a ton of resources on there. But my advice is twofold. One, you are never going to feel comfortable completely taking a leap unless you've won the lotto. So that's number one. So your discomfort in doing this and actually making this change, you're never gonna be a hundred percent like, whoo, I have no cares in the world, I can do it. I mean, you're always gonna be a little scared. So just acknowledge that, that that's going to be there. Make sure you know what you're doing. You're kind of getting ready for it. You don't have to have everything prepared. But for instance, when I decided that I was going to make that move from working as a social media coordinator for a big agency or an agency to working for myself, I took some time to make sure that I had the basics in place so that if I got a client, I kind of knew what I was doing. So I made sure that I had an LLC so i was protected, you know, if anything went wrong, it wasn't me that could be sued. I had a website. It was not cute, but it was a website mm-hmm. and it was up there. I had my social media channels up and ready to go. I had a basic contract that i had had a lawyer look over so that i was protected. And so those were just for me, those were the main things that i needed that was logically wise, you know, in place to make sure that i could make this leap, which is i'm protected, i have a contract, I have a way to, you know, take money. I was still, you know, in the very beginning, I didn't have a business account set up yet. That's okay. Those things all work out. Um, But just, I say like those logic things of contract, you are clear on what you're doing. That's very clear. So if somebody asks you, you're able to tell them, hey, this is how I can help you and a website and don't get caught up in the website looking perfect. I did not think my website, people liked it. I still look back and cringe, but it was there and it was <laughs> important to have that out there. So those are the things that are great to have in place. And then just start, you're going to learn a lot. I am flabbergasted from where I am now, looking back to where I was, that I got clients because I know now how much I didn't have in place and how much I actually was flying by the seat of my pants, but it worked. You learn a lot on the job. It's the same thing. Like you're constantly evolving as a business owner and you can't prepare for everything because you've never owned a business before. So you're going to learn certain things on the job, but just be prepared for that and don't let that defeat you and overwhelm you and stop you. And then obviously a financial piece, you know, I'm lucky that I have a partner. I have a husband who works. I'm very honest with people that if I hadn't had him, I probably wouldn't have been able to just jump right into full-time entrepreneurship because I would have needed more of a financial safety net or I might have needed like a a part-time job two days a week doing whatever to help me pay the bills. But if you're in a place where you have a partner, that's great. Do that. If you're not that's great too. And just make sure that you put some savings aside, or maybe that you do have a part-time job to start, or that you have your full-time job, but you make sure that you carve out some time, I don't know, 10 hours a week to really devote to building your business. And maybe you start off small with one or two clients and build your portfolio. And then as you get more confident, as you save that money, as people get to know who you are, you can make that leap to leave your job, your full-time job, and really focus on your own business.
2: Yes, I love that, especially the part about, you know, just getting the really, like you're saying, two or three basic things in order. Yeah. Mm Because I work with so many people that are like, well, I
1: can't start until I have all this stuff. No, it's like I just I tell people, like, you have to start, you know, like there's things I've learned that a lot because I made those choices, you know, like when I left New York city and I moved to Thailand to do the anti-human trafficking work. And then I moved to Oklahoma. You know, there's so many things I did not know, but I just, and, that, and those lessons also applied to starting my business, which is you just have to start. If you don't get started, you will always find something to delay you actually doing it. You got to do it. Yes.
2: Yes. And so many people get caught up in the perfectionism of thinking yes. I can just I will be able to start when and then there's some right big I call it end thinking like you have to have the whole thing all in order before you can jump and right. take the first step which I don't think anyone's probably done unless they are already established you know they're going into right. a new launch and then they're like yeah I'm going to build out the website and it's kind of right. it's not really yeah practical for real people <laughs>
1: to do it right that totally way all the time. it's like. I mean, I didn't even really get clear on what kind of clients I wanted until I had had a bunch of clients. And then I was like, oh, this is the type of person I want to be working with. So it's like I said, you know, there's so many things you're not going to know you want in your business or that your business needs until you're in that moment. And then you have a mm-hmm. clarity moment where you're like, oh, maybe I don't want to work with this type of business again because it just doesn't match. OK, now I know, you know, you're not going to know that till that moment.
2: Yeah. Well, your horizon changes as you start trying new things. Because one of the things Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have expected in starting a podcast is then I I got a lot of questions from people like, How did you do that? How can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. That became a piece and a component. And now, of all the crazy things, I'm so excited. I have two clients who want me to produce, and then I'm working with them one on one to like produce their podcast. And I'm like,
1: That's awesome. This is awesome. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Okay. Well, roll roll with this. yeah. It's the same thing like with my social media trainings. I mean, what happened is that I ended up when I, it was great, but you know, a lot of people would come to me and be like, Hey, I want to start doing this. I don't know anything. And I would just start sharing them all of this information and I'd help them come up with strategies. And I remember my husband listened to me one time. I was on a two hour phone call doing this and I got off the phone and he was like, A, like, did you just do that for free? Cause you just trained that person. And B, you also gave them their client strategy. So that client should really be yours. And I was like, well, thanks for the shout out. But that kind of planted that seed where it was like, huh, and he, I mean, he was like, "You were on there for two hours on a Friday afternoon." I was like, "That's a really good point. Maybe I should start offering this as a service." So those great things happen too when you start your business.
2: Yeah, I love that, and I love when you're open and you can look for them and listen to them. Like it, it feels like yeah. the universe is kind of saying, "Hey, what about this?"
1: And you just yeah, have to be open exactly. enough to say, mm, "Yeah, I did
2: like talking to that person about that thing." Right. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. One thing that strikes me, especially since we're in March, which is courage is our theme for the month is really, oh my gosh, the courage that it takes both. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I think it's twofold, like to start a business. Cause that feels like it's one of the most in-depth personal development things I've ever done. But also mm-hmm. too, like, I mean, I've been in marketing 17 years, like at this point, wow. so like I get marketing, but oh my mm-hmm. gosh, it's a different ball game entirely. When you go to market yourself, like I can market, I I know brand attributes, I can do, you know, I can do aspirational Mm -hmm. campaigning. But like, when I talk about Mm -hmm. myself, it's almost like I have to learn something totally different.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you
2: want to talk a little bit about like, how do you, I guess, tap into the courage it takes to put yourself out there? And I don't know if there's any Mm -hmm. key takeaways you've learned in either through yourself or working with clients, like, Mm -hmm. what do we need to know? What would make this easier?
1: Well, I think the the one thing that I've learned, like overcoming that fear of putting yourself out there, which is the same thing as the fear of starting your business, you know, just starting, you are your biggest critic. And the other thing too, is that you are the only one who knows how much you don't know. So, but you still know more than your client. So that's something that I, when it came to really putting myself out there, it's really easy to get those kind of double voices in your head that are like, what do you know about this? You don't know anything about this. It's like, no, you have to take a step back sometimes. And sometimes maybe you write a little list, but sometimes I step back and I'm like, no, actually I do know what I'm doing. I've done like, maybe a client asked me a question sometimes, and I have to come up with something on the spot. Cause I've just never thought about it, but that doesn't mean I'm not good at what I do. I was able to put an answer together and I do know what I'm doing. And I think it's just, it's, you have to give yourself that pep talk. You know, I don't know if there's any grand, any great big takeaway, except you are the only person who knows how much you don't know, but you actually know a lot more than you think you do. And you definitely know more than the client that's hiring you. That's why they're hiring you. So always, it's kind of that cycle of constantly keeping yourself educated. Like social media pisses me off so sometimes (laughs) because everything changes so much. So, you know, one day this counts, the other day this counts, and don't even get me started on working on Facebook ads. And so it can be really hard to get defeated, but it's just, you know, I have to say to myself, you like what you're doing, your clients like you, you get joy and contentment out of this, you've had success, and you're you're a proven social media marketer, and just, you will not know everything. So focus in on what you do know, make sure you keep educating yourself on your craft, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's really what I do.
2: Yes. And I had not, I hadn't heard before that idea. I mean, in the, so succinctly put that like you, only you are the one that knows what you don't know. Right. I, I think that's so key because, yeah, you're right. Like ego pops up and they're like, you don't know what you're doing. And mm-hmm. you're like, but I, but then taking but, stock in the fact that, I mean, yeah, but you do know what you're doing you and do. no one's going to start, yeah, and they're not, your client isn't going to dig into the questions probably of like right. the little tender spots of the things that maybe are right. a little bit weaker in your knowledge base.
1: Right. Like, that's absurd. right, right. Right. And, yeah. that, and that every single person you're dealing with has those same fears and every single human being has a weaker spot and a stronger spot. And that's just how... So everyone's got the same level of playing field. Just remembering that, too. Mm.
2: Yes. And it strikes me, too, that what you're probably doing is getting a match with what your strength is to help them mm-hmm. with one of their weaknesses. So mm-hmm. it's like a really exactly. beautiful match there. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm. That's
2: that's it. Exactly. Take that, imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, because um, <laughs> yeah, we all have that. I I don't know if you have wisdom around imposter syndrome. I mean, one of my gut reactions to it is it's like when I start getting that sense of I like, who am I to do this? It's often because mm-hmm. I feel like maybe I'm actually really on the right path. Right. And it's just mm-hmm. it's getting a little too close. I don't know if you have takes on it. I know there's some yes. interesting stuff out there about imposter yeah. syndrome.
1: I mean, I think there's so many, I mean, you know, all of the stuff we've already discussed plays into imposter syndrome. And it's the same thing, you know, just take that step back. Sometimes it may mean on social media that, you know, don't go. I mean, a social media marketer is saying this, but social media can really make you. I think sometimes as a small business owner feel very small because you can be following people that you look up to and you can see like you, they've got, you know, 200,000 followers and, you know, 70, 800 likes on every picture. And it can make you feel like I'm never going to achieve that. I'm never going to get there. Why should I be doing this when they're doing it even better than I am? Because look at how much, how many followers they have or whatever. That's when you have to step back and say to yourself, you know, that's not really what it's about. Everyone has something to offer everyone else. And, you know, that person may not be the right fit for who your client is. I mean, if you, if you started, it's kind of one of those things like the imposter syndrome in business. If you took that fear of who am I to be doing this and actually translated it into your day-to-day life with your personal relationships, you kind of realize how stupid it is. Like I could sit here and look at my husband and be like, well, there's another girl out there who weighs less than I do. And there's another girl out there who makes more money than I do. And there's another girl out there who might not yell at him when he leaves his socks next to the hamper and not in the hamper. Who am I to be married to him? You know, and you start to realize that that's not actually what... It's about we're together because we connect and we love each other. Your clients are with you because you connect and they like what you do. And if you just keep reminding yourself of that, that there's a human element to it. And everyone offers something to add to another person in a very unique way. And the person who wants how you uniquely offer it is going to be your client and is going to be your friend or is going to be your spouse. I think it helps you get over that imposter syndrome. I like that a lot. It really does help reframe it too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because I mean, it really draws me into, I noticed you wrote a blog post where you talk about the difference between popularity and sales. I feel like maybe Mm -hmm. there's something kind of intertwined here around that as well, is that what ego will pop up and say, well, you don't know what you're doing because you only have 2,300, whatever followers on whatever medium, like it doesn't matter. But but right. yeah, that's not really the point of why you mm-hmm. are uniquely qualified. You, mm-hmm. meaning the listener, you, whatever it is you're out there doing, are uniquely qualified to serve a population in whatever way you do. I don't know if you want to talk away a little bit around the popularity versus. Yeah. I don't know sales and and worth and all that. I think this is
1: yeah really fertile territory as well. Yeah, it's especially when it comes to social media. So everyone out there, there's I will say upfront, there is not one way to do social media. So again, that's something that all ties into that you know over like figuring out what you offer to somebody. So I'm a social media marketer who, if you come to me and you're like, I want 10,000 likes in three months, I'm gonna be like, okay. But why? Let's talk about why. Because what do you like? Just you just want that number on there so you look popular? Or do you want those 10,000 likes to actually be 10,000 customers who want to hear what you have to say and are going to your website and buying your stuff? So that's, for me, I think that particularly with social media, like I use that example about the imposter syndrome, people get really caught up in how many people follow your account, how many people, whatever. That is not my jam as a marketer. I think it leads to that false sense of ego. This also kind of ties into like where I come in with comment pods. I think it's really important that I don't care if you have a hundred thousand people following you on social media, if you're only getting 20 visitors off your social media to your website per month, or if nobody's engaging with you, I don't care about that. Like the number of who follows you for me, I would much rather see that you have a hundred followers and every single one of them is engaging with your content, sharing your content, liking your content, and clicking over to your website from your content to look at what else you have to offer and buying. That's where I come in. It's again, a human connection. I feel like Instagram is a great place to maybe pick apart a little bit because yeah, I know
2: previously, I mean, I love Instagram. I feel like I've slowed down a bit recently. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I got so tied up in the follow, non-follow game or follow mm-hmm. an unfollow mm-hmm. game. And then like there's so many uh, services where you can see who's who's following you and then you can watch them unfollow. And like it's so easy. And I'm sure it's ego g- that kicks in. They're like, yes, you know, your ego is like, oh, they unfollowed you. You better unfollow them. Like it's such a ridiculous right. game. There's, there's no community in that. It's just, right. like I don't even know right. what it is. But so how so, do we get unattached from that but like re-engage with the actual community part of say Instagram. Mm-hmm. I mean it could be any social media, yeah. but like
1: how can we I think Instagram is a really, really good me. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, the number one thing I tell all of my clients, I'm going to tell you this, don't look at your followers, like in terms of numbers or unfollows. Don't do it. Because it creeps into your head. And the thing is, like I was saying earlier about, you know, like popularity versus sales, those numbers they matter, but they're not, the likes are not what's going to get you a client. It's that engagement piece. It's that human piece. It's that socially engaging piece, not just somebody who follows your account so that you follow them back. Unfortunately, like Instagram, you know, damn you, Mark Zuckerberg, the whole algorithm thing is incredibly frustrating. So previously, yes. Instagram <laughs> used to show, yeah. And Instagram's a really great example. And I mean, obviously, Facebook went through this years ago, you know, you used to be able to see things in real time, which was awesome. And now you have this algorithm and now you need to get more engagement and that makes it pop up and ba blah, ba ba blah, blah, blah. And that, this all contributes to a lot of the insecurity and ego that can tie in with social media because you can pull out some killer content and then nobody sees it. There's ways around that that I can talk to, but don't, my biggest advice is don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the unfollows. Even if they unfollowed you, it doesn't mean you're not doing a good job. It just means maybe they didn't get what you were offering is no longer where they are in their business. And so in the order to cut down the noise, they just unfollowed your page. It's like when someone unsubscribes to your newsletter. I've unsubscribed to newsletters that I thought were great. I still follow these people on Mm -hmm. social media, but I needed the noise out of my inbox. And it wasn't a comment on them. It was not about them. At all, and so that's the thing too. Is that when those unlikes or unfollows happen? You know, I have a client who works a lot with new parents, and so she has unfollows, and she was getting really taking that very personally. And I had to say to her, "It's not that. It could simply be that now that person has a five-year-old, and they no longer need your stuff in their feed. That's all it is. So you know, don't remove that personal feeling towards it. Obviously, there's a lot. I do not um, buy into those programs." of you know commenting and following and unfollowing automatically, I don't buy into those. But those things are on there and that also can really play. Sometimes it's not even personal. Sometimes it's simply that person may even really love, the person itself behind the account may love what you're doing, but the program decides to unfollow you without them even knowing it because you haven't followed back. So yes. that's, yeah. it's kind of not real, those things. So just don't don't take it too personally. On the flip side, you do want to make sure that your social media community is growing and that there is engagement. And so you can make that happen in genuine ways. I post on my Facebook. That's not really where I'm building my community. I actually focus more on my Instagram. And so I get, you know, I can go up 10 likes and down 10 likes in one day and I can get, you know, Absolutely brilliant on a post of my broken computer because somebody's got their comment hashtag set up wrong to follow and comment on. But at the same time, I can make sure that when I see a genuine comment on my page, on a post, that I write something back to them and it's legitimate. And that I go on to their account and see what they're doing. And maybe it's not something I want to follow, but if I find an image on there or a post that I really connect with, I take the time to genuinely engage with their content. And that it takes time, which is why I do this for clients because they don't have that time. But that's how you authentically and genuinely create a real community on social media. And it's actually what social media was for and what it can do for your business to be very real and human on there when so much of it has become automated just is such a great thing to do for yourself. It really pushes your business to the next level when you're a genuine person behind there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love what you're saying, especially with Instagram because, yeah, it's easy. You're right, exactly. Once that algorithm got put into place, it felt like it, Mm -hmm. it just it turned on the ego piece of it completely because no longer was it just a feed. It was now, it felt like it started to get into that whole game. Yes. But I love, I love what you said because like, I can think of at least three accounts, which I'm happy to do the shout out for, but like one of them is actually Star Wars in the yard and Russell was on a little while ago. That's cool. Um, I love that name. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know he does little, um, I'll do a link. I can't remember exactly what episode, but he does, he takes toys, Star Wars toys and, makes scenes of them in the yard, his actual yard, and then does funny little captions with it. And you're like, dude, you're so awesome. And it was a joy. I mean, like he's just following his passion and he's got a fair number of followers. But part of it is that he comments on everybody else's stuff in this really genuine Mm -hmm. way. And, you know, and he'll Mm -hmm. even speak to that thing about... If I don't like something on your page today, I'll hit you up in the next few. Like, I'm just, you know, yes. I'm trying to make this enjoyable. So I think there's that. Right. Yes. And also so funny, like, I discovered a guy that I went to high school with was actually behind, which, uh, no, I'm not going to remember his handle on Instagram. But it was just so funny because I was like, oh, yeah, you're taking pictures of all this stuff from my hometown. And then it turns out he went <laughs> to the same high school I did. And it was like, that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. This is awesome. So, yeah, like, community yeah. is possible, but you have to make it. You have to make it yeah. real. I love that you're right. saying you that.
1: Ha- exactly. Yeah.
2: And I know you said something about if you're not getting a ton of traction, I can think of a couple accounts that have that. Like, they have great content. Do you have advice mm-hmm. for someone who's like, yeah, I'm on Instagram. I feel like I'm putting my heart into this, but I'm, mm-hmm. I've am i got nothing. <laughs> what can they right. do?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of things that they came to me, what I would say is number one, let's talk about who your clientele is because maybe they're not on Instagram. That may be your preferred channel to be on, but that actually might not be where your clients are. For instance, like if your clientele tends to be women 40 and over, they're not on Instagram. In I mean they are, but the large majority of them are actually on Facebook. So if you have that clientele, and you're talking to them on Instagram, they're not, they might not be there. And that's why you're not getting the engagement that you want. You might have to, you know, look, take a, you know, if you're a nonprofit, maybe you shouldn't be on Snapchat, maybe LinkedIn is better. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm just using that as an example. So you have to A, make sure that the social media platform that you're using is actually the one where your audience is. Two, you might want to look at your hashtags. Hashtags are really how people find stuff. I use it to look for things. So you want to make sure that the hashtags you're using aren't like, for instance, I do tag social media marketing sometimes in my content, but primarily I don't tag social media as a hashtag, unless I'm saying social media marketer, but I don't really use like all of those social media hashtags because all it does is reach fellow social media marketers, not my clients. And now I, I use hashtags that speak to who my audience is like, you know, makers going to make small batch creators those type of things, because those are who my clients are made up of. And that's what they're tagging their stuff with. And that's what they're looking up. So I would say, look at your hashtags. Those are two really major things, right? Yeah, go ahead. That's just the two major things that I
2: would say to somebody. (laughs) That's great. And I feel like that really closely ties into some of my focus had been Pinterest recently, just because I'm like, I know Mm -hmm. this thing can generate a lot of traffic. Like I have Mm -hmm. friends Mm -hmm. who are out in the space and they're like, yeah, I'm getting most of my referrals from that every day. And I'm like, okay, let's crack Mm -hmm. this code. And Mm -hmm. I feel like your hashtag advice was so similar to some of the advice I got around Pinterest, which
1: was make your boards.
2: You've got to change it from being a site you're using for you to a site that's Mm -hmm. drawing in your ideal client,
1: which was... Yes. Oh,
2: that's interesting. So I feel like hashtag... And it seems... I'm sorry, I'm totally speaking in circles here. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the hashtag advice is so similar that like it's more about who do you want to reach and less about yes. like, who you are. Unless about
1: as you. A right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And that's the thing, too, you know, that you have to make that shift. I mean, so much of everybody's on social media, whether they want to admit it or not. We're on there a lot. And so you, when you're on it, it's really for your personal gratification. But yes, that's the switch as a business owner of, I'm not on here for me. You know, like I said, like maybe you're on Instagram because you like it. It's someone you understand the most. But if you're not, your clients aren't on there, then you can't use that for your business. You have to go somewhere else. Because it's not about you, it's about your clients.
2: (laughs) Great advice too and interesting to dive into that would you suggest if somebody's like oh yeah that does sound right is there a way to look up or can we link to like demographics of who's on which medium, yeah
1: or for sure i mean there's you know a zillion social media reports out there about who sure. is on what some of the ones that you know if you wanted to go to one place that i use as my reference for information it's social media examiner okay so yeah. you can if you go to that website they have a plethora of information if you're a small business owner looking to get a better understanding of who's on what. If you're trying to reach teenagers, like for instance, here's a perfect example, teenagers, because you want them to see your stuff to tell you their parents to buy it for a birthday. Nobody like 15 or 16 years old is on Facebook anymore. It's Snapchat and Instagram. So, you know, those are little things that really are valuable to kind of just brush up your skills on and then try it. Go to that new platform Try that new content. You can still keep your previous account live. Just maybe put a post up where you're like, okay, this is where you can find me now and give it a whirl. You know, see what happens, see how the engagement is, see who you're engaging with, if they're really who you want to be connecting with. Keep an eye on your Google Analytics to see if that social media site is referring people to your website. And then you know, you know, if you're on the right place, you found your people or not.
2: It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. And it is interesting how, if you do keep your eye on, there's a referrer tab under, and I'm happy to mm-hmm. even do a screenshot, folks, if you want to see where this is in your right. Google Analytics. And if you don't have it installed, go install it right now. Yes. It's, it's gold. You'll know where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can see what, what social media is referring people to you. And then you could, like you're mm-hmm. saying, then you could optimize. And Pinterest, mm-hmm. yeah, Pinterest is the bomb for stuff like mm-hmm. um, things with long lead, like a podcast it worked really well for me. Mm-hmm. If uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's been very interesting.
1: Yeah, um, it is. And it's kind of neat. Yeah. It's pretty neat to figure that stuff out. Is. And sometimes the other thing too is go to your Google. It's just good to keep an eye on your Google analytics because you might have some social media channel. You're kind of half-assing, like maybe you post once or twice a month, but they're sending out, they're like the second referrer to your website. Then you need to be on that social media channel like more because that's obviously where people are finding you the most, even if you're not yeah. on there often.
2: Yes, yeah, that's such a good point. And it may not be your favorite thing, but it might be where your people are, and that's a totally right, exactly. different topic. And mm-hmm. kind of part of the bigger shift we're talking about. Would you like to share where people can find you and where they could follow you yes. or get more information?
1: Absolutely. And I'll link. To, I'll link as well. But sure. So, like I said, I'm the most active on my Instagram. So that's at Little Red Promotions. You can find me on there, and I share a lot of. Social media tips and insights, but also just a little bit about me and it's a little more personalized than my Facebook. I'm also on Facebook. I post a ton of articles that I myself. I have a blog, so if you want to find me on my website, which is littleredpromotions.com, I have a really quick blog called "What Would a Social Media Marketer Do in 300 Words or Less." So a lot of my Facebook features a lot of those things and just some really cool articles that I found about you know upcoming changes things that are driving me crazy about social media that you should be aware of because they might drive you crazy. But those are really the two most active channels that I personally have for my business. I'm also on Twitter, but Twitter is really not my fave. So (laughs) I'm not very chatty on there. If you want to chat, it's better to chat with me on Instagram or Facebook.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I find Twitter just recently became more of a favorite for me, but I don't really know what shifted there. I just, but in some yeah. days it feels like you're just yelling in a loud hallway and you're like, okay, well, no, yeah. I'm going back home now. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and people are like retweeting, but nobody's read anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Well, and so what
2: are a couple of ways that you would work with people if they're like, yeah, I love Deirdre. I want to work with her. Oh. What, what? How can you help them?
1: So, There's obviously the simple piece of I take social media off your plate so you don't have to think about it and do it. I work really hand in hand with the client in the first month. So if you came to me and you're like, listen, I'm in a place where I know I could be optimizing my business better on this social media channel. I have all these followers. I have people who talk to me when I actually post, but I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I don't even know if it's working. How do I do this? So I take it and I make social media work for your business, not you working for social media, taking time away from your job. And so we work one-on-one. I get to know you. There's a huge onboarding process. I hear all about what your goals are for the upcoming year, what your objective is as a business or as a business owner. I okay. use all of your content and I we put together a strategy. We put together a strategy for how we're going to reach your audience and educate them on your services and your expertise and what you're offering. I do the customized content. I'm not a graphic designer, but thank God for apps because they have helped me a lot where I also have a graphic designer that we can work with. I do the social media advertising peach, which can drive me to drink. Facebook ads owes me like a case of wine because they're such a pain in the neck to deal with. But I do, I do the advertising for that. So, you know, if you're somebody who has a, a webinar coming up or a course, you know, we can really get together and talk about strategy, for how to, you know, introduce that into your content, make sure that your advertising is reaching the right people, you're spending your money to reach people who are truly your clients. And then I do the community management piece. So, you know, I know a lot of business owners may have some great content, but they don't have the ability to really get back to those questions in real time. And if questions aren't answered, you can lose those, pers- those people forever. So I always make sure that I'm available and I answer questions and do the customer service piece on whatever content gets posted.
2: Awesome, That's thank that. you. And yeah. I will link. I will okay. link them to your site if people have questions. Well, so let's jump to our last couple of questions, sure. then. Uh, sure. What does balance look like for you day to day, or if you prefer to respond to, how do you maintain harmony in your life? Sometimes that one's
1: <laughs> a little more true mm. to what
2: people are feeling. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> well, I think the biggest thing I learned after my first year of business was that working till 10 o'clock at night, tweaking my website and being a perfectionist about stuff that didn't matter in in a way, did nobody any good. It didn't do my business any good. It didn't do my life any good. It didn't do a client any good. So boundaries are key. And I've worked really hard over the last year and a half to make sure that I've created those for myself and for my clients. My dad was self-employed. And so he I mean, he had two kids to support and a wife. And so he was really good. He worked out of the house probably the first 15 years of my life. And he was very good, which was great because we got to have dinner together or whatever. And there were times that he had to work later into the night, but I felt like he was very good at keeping himself out of there. And even if he wasn't there on the weekends or at night, he was still super open to us going in and talking to him. So I think mm-hmm. he really showed and he had a great, great poem by William Butler Yeats called The Choice. And it was all about, you know, you can spend all your days working as hard as you want for the, the grandeur and the ego and the money. But then if you're alone at night by yourself in the dark in your giant house and there's no one else there, what's really the point? And that's always really stayed with me. So Mm. I learned, like I said, those first couple months being in business for myself, you know, there was more to do. You know, I was doing everything on my own. I was figuring out spreadsheets and, you know, I did my own website that wasn't cute that I have mentioned, but, you know, I had to do all of that. So that happens (laughs) in the beginning. But the biggest thing for me is that I'm super clear with my clients, like, hey, these are the hours that I work. And if I'm working during those hours, I'm yours. But I also don't even, I don't give out my phone number in the beginning either. I don't want you texting. I don't know what their boundaries are yet and how they respect others' boundaries. So, I mean, I use conference lines. I'm very clear. You know, clients have overstepped bounds and work requests. I've always been like, hey, I'd love to help you with this. This is a little, this is outside what my current job description is. So if you'd like to do that, I offer this at X, Y, and Z. And it can be scary to really not answer those emails on the weekend to not get back to that email about a question about maybe something that went wrong or a request for a change at 10 o'clock at night. But you have to do it because your client will respect you more because you are running yourself like a professional who has business hours. You will be better equipped to handle those issues because you're not resentful of your business because you've created boundaries with your business. So those are really like the two, that's how I figured it out, you know, is I love my husband has to get up at three 30 in the morning for work. So when he's home, he goes to bed with like the senior citizens at seven 30 at night. So when he's home, I want to spend time with him and there's only like a two hour window. So, you know, I would rather spend those two hours with him than be still trying to put content creation together or whatever. So that's just really, and that makes me happier, which makes me like my business more and makes me want to do it more. So it's just yeah. that it all plays into itself. Yeah.
2: I like that. Cause yeah, my husband also goes to bed with senior citizens. He gets up, he's a chef. So
1: <laughs> right, I mean, like, right. and
2: you know, having a kid, like I don't have the luxury. Yeah. I mean, my six year old is not going to stay up till 10 just to talk to me. He's going to bed. So,
1: right.
2: and I want him to,
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> Right. yeah, it's really a
2: choice. <laughs> When do I spend the time? And I really love that you said you've been clear with clients because it just made me remember a a person that I was going to work with and then something didn't get handed back over to me in time. So I emailed them and said, hey, I'm going to just pick this up, you know, as their client. I'm just going to do this on my own. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. we didn't have a clear communication. And they wrote back and said, well, you should have texted me. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be texting you in the middle of the night. Where's my deliverable, basically? It doesn't matter what it is, but like putting that clear line in the sand as someone paying for service, I didn't want that to be my reality either for her. So
1: right, we right. Um,
2: we parted ways right about then.
1: <laughs> yeah. But that's also like another thing too. I mean, it's not just I'm super clear. like, I'm not going to read emails of clients over the weekend, but in doing that, it's also yeah. informing my clients Don't expect me to bother you on the weekend. I respect your weekends too. So it's kind of, and then Mm -hmm. all of those, you know, and how somebody reacts to those boundaries. And this ties back to that kind of finding your right client also shows you if there's somebody you should be working with. You're always going to have clients that it's a little squirrely with. It just happens. It's life. But for the most part, you can really attract those people that you like by kind of having those, hey, this is how I keep harmony in my life and how I'm going to keep harmony in your life is with these boundaries. And if they're like, heck yeah, I love that, then they're, they're somebody you want to work with forever and ever.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. That's such, that is such a good angle on that one. Yes. I'm so glad you brought it up. And the last question is, what are three ways you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives?
1: I take a walk every day. I know that sounds super cheesy and kind of simple, but... Getting out of my house, even or getting out of your office building, but for me getting out of my house once a day and just going outside. I live in Colorado. It's gorgeous. It's awesome. I don't even have to listen to music. And it does bring me joy because it's my own personal time. It's sunlight. It's fresh air. It's a change in my schedule. It's such a simple thing. I always live by the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That can be really hard, especially in this political climate. But that's <laughs> a golden rule that I, I really applied to my life. And I apply to my business and then be thankful. You know, I got caught up a few months ago, you know, because my husband went through a job change and we might buy a house and, you know, all these different things. And I got really caught up in feeling like a failure as a business owner because Little Red Promotions is thriving and successful, but I could make, you know, 20 to 30 grand more if I went to go work in an agency. And I sat down and I thought about it and I realized that, I get such joy out of being my own boss. I am not a good employee mm-hmm. of somebody else. It is a weakness of mine, and I will admit that. And that I realize that that ability to take a walk every day, I struggle with insomnia, to not have to get up at 6 a.m., to sleep in until 8.30 if I was up for four hours during the night. Mm-hmm. That, you know, sitting in my... I have a beautiful rented little, you know, duplex, and I have a happy marriage, and I have a job I really like... Those are the things like I should be so thankful. Five years ago, if you had told me this would be my life, I would have been like, oh, my God, when can I get there? Can it be sooner? And (laughs) then it's so easy to sit here and have that. Maybe it's that imposter syndrome, but it's so easy to sit here and be like, oh, but if only I you know, made more money, we could get a house sooner or whatever. And that's not right, because I have a life that very fulfilling and full of contentment and like i said something i would have jumped for joy about if you had told me 5 years ago so i've really tried to be thankful and say you know what sure would making 30 grand more a year be awesome heck yeah but is it waking up at 8:30 after a night i've been awake for 4 hours kind of worth the same thing yes and so just making mm-hmm. sure that you're thankful of those things and that you're always defining your own success not letting external forces define those, what success is for you
2: Oh, yes, especially defining your own success that has been part of my last year's journey to mm-hmm. such an extreme. I mean, it was really interesting to be on a call with another coach just this week and saying, mm-hmm. "You know what's really important? Walking my son to school and picking him up from mm-hmm. school and walking home with him is actually something I just dream of, you know, and like yeah, at the same yeah. Thing, like." Five years ago when he was a baby, would I have said that? I'd be like, I don't know. But like that, yeah. that's resonating right now. And that that mm-hmm. feels like success. That would be joyful mm-hmm. for me. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought that and spoke spoke into it for everyone who's like, But but the ladder I want to climb. Right. Like, oh, but the what money. A,
1: what a, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> what a success now. Oh, yeah. Right. What would that feel like? Right.
0: Oh dear, thank you so much. So much. Oh, thank you're you so, so welcome. Deirdre, thank you so much for being on the show. It was so much fun to get to speak with you, and I just love your big-hearted nature and your love for social media. If you want to get the show notes for this episode or find out how you can work with Deirdre? You can head over to my website at jumpstartyourjoy.com/episode seventy eight, or you can find Deirdre directly at littleredpromotions.com. If you've loved what you've heard here on Jumpstart Your Joy today and you want to find some more awesome episodes, (laughs) you can find them all over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com or you can subscribe and you could get episodes sent to your mobile device each week by searching for Jumpstart Your Joy on any of the big podcast syndication spots like iTunes, Google Play Music, stitcher iHeartRadio, and player fm if you have an iphone you'll probably want to use itunes if you have an android phone you can use the other one so google play music stitcher iHeartRadio, radio player fm go to any of those and just search for this podcast or any podcast and when you find it you can hit the subscribe button pretty easy and of course if you're there please leave a review i would love to hear from you you can also leave comments about this episode. If you have other thoughts or questions, you can go to jumpstartyourjoy.com and comment there. Or there is a Facebook group. Jumpstart Your Joy is on Facebook, and uh, you can subscribe there too. Next week on the podcast, I have Stephanie Delfonso joining me. Stephanie is a former radio DJ turned holistic healer. She practices hypnosis, Reiki, and EFT and has done a lot of work around conquering your fears, which is just a perfect tie-in for this month of courage. I hope you'll join me next week for that interview. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.